want to give plenty of time to a, uh, a special friend. We have a guest speaker today, one of my best friends in the world. We've been buddies a long time. Named Ron Harris, and uh, most of you know Ron. He's he's preached in his pulpit before uh, several times. Been a been a little while, maybe a year or so ago since he has. But how many of you have heard Pastor Ron preach? Have you ever heard Pastor Ron preach before? So you know we're in for a a fun day, a fun day. And uh, for those of you that don't know him, go ahead and we're telling you right now you like him. Just go ahead and make him because we're those of us that know. I'll tell you right now you like him. You're going to enjoy his ministry. I want you to just make your your minds and your hearts open and ready to receive the word because you're about to receive the word today. Would you put your hands together? Welcome my good friend Ron Harris to the pulpit. Can we say thank the Lord? My voice is a little raspy. I just left 353 juniors, seniors in high school over the last two days. If you follow me on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, if, you, if, you, if you have Ron Harris Springdale, that's the handle. And on Facebook, I post consistently for prayers. This morning, uh, at about 2 o'clock this morning, Trinity Fellowship. So if you follow me, pray, and I'm inviting people. even. In, but what's been absolutely amazing is to see the friendship and the fellowship that comes from this church for us. I thank God for Pastor Darren and his wonderful wife, Debbie. Can we give God a big amen for them? Can we do that? Amen. There are people that are in this church that I just truly additionally love. In the family, Katie and his, his family, uh, we've been through many dangers, toils, and snares. Come on, somebody. You, you, you don't, it's not, it's not, it's, you know, you have the Oreo cookie. It ain't what's on the outside, but it's the stuff in the middle. Come on now. And, and, and your family has been that stuff for me and I, you, can we get a good amen? Your family, thank you so much, Katie and his lovely wife, daughter, Kinley. And I just want to pause this for a second because I wasn't going to do this, but, but I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being you. For the past two years, we've been hanging out at George Junior High, and did I know that, that I would be taking a big step, and, and I would go and see her, and man, she's in the middle of it, man, getting everybody lined up, and it's good to see the body. Christ moving outside of the four walls. And she has been faithful. Amen. She's going to kill me later. We're good though. You know, there's so many things that we hear that are bad. And I'm not pointing people out for, for their own personal well-being. But, and, 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 but the reality is we have to celebrate. And in this humdrum world in which we get beat up every day, it's sometimes it's good to know that things are going well. I encourage thing. Within the next 24 hours, would you call someone, text them, send them a Facebook message, up on Twitter, Tumblr, I don't recommend Snapchat, but you know, just a little snappy. But in some way, smoke signal, Morse code, if you could just tell them how much you care. And then I have some friends that we've been together for a while. And it's good to see you, Bill, your wife, man. They've been amazing people, treasures in the body of Christ. We've been together for, oh, geez, over 15 years. And I ate lunch with, with Bill recently, and he said, uh, man, I'm making a transition in my life. So I'm thinking about maybe sliding over to Trinity Fellowship. I said, now I'm going to dub. And, and if there's a spot you can kind of plant yourself and, and get lit up every single week, you sit right there. He's going to punch you right in the, single, in the nose every single week. He's like, okay, I'm going to come back and get some more of that. Thank you so much. 
you two are just a, a your gems in the body of Christ. And um, I'm reminiscent here because it's almost like being at home. Because at least once a month, I'm next door uh, in the missions class. And man, I tell you, if 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 you've ever thought about the next time that thing rolls around. Not because I'm doing the missions aspect of it, but to begin to hear pastor. And I know sometimes you, you get familiar with the voice, but I'm telling you in the body of Christ, this is like a cry in the wilderness. And as he's preaching, not only to me, but as I download him on a weekly basis, he's ministering to me. He's ministering to me. I've told him some things I wouldn't tell anybody else. That's a friend. I want to share today with you a message that God birthed in my heart. And I've got one message that I'm sharing in 2016. And typically when you're an evangelist, you go, man, you go, you roll your stuff out, man. It's all about you. Everybody say it's not about me. But it is about me. Say it's all about me. But it's not about me. Okay, so I'm going to go a little bit a step further. I want you to take that finger that you normally point at somebody else. I want you to point it back at yourself. Everybody say, it's not about me. But it is about me. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because the reality for me and you, it's not about you, but it is about you. God could have chosen anything in creation to do. He could have chosen animals to grow up like humans. And they could have walked on four legs and all of that and spoken like Wilbur. That's generational. Some of y'all got that. I know my home audience is. Wilbur was a talking horse back in the day. But the reality is God wants to use you. He wants to maximize you. And there's some people that get it and some people that don't. I'm still working on it. And just over mm, about two weeks ago, Katie Hill's been telling me this for years and years. Ron, you just need to push out in the deep. Pastor D, Ron, push out in the deep. But there was one voice in my life when God says, when you find a good wife, you find a good thing. And when she began to say, launch out into the deep, my ear inclined a little bit closer because at that time I had little babies. And I wasn't going to be a minister like a lot of my friends that would yield a call of family. God's called me to preach, man, and I'm going to go to the world and leaving everybody else behind. Well, as a result of that, a lot of my friends are in the weeds. And so for the last 300 64 days, every single morning, my wife would get up in the morning and she would say, I think it's time for you to take the next step. I got a phone call from a pastor friend and he said, I'm going to schedule for revival. And then two months later, he said, I'm going to cancel that and I'm going to reschedule you at another time. And when he rescheduled me, he said, and now I want you to come and preach for a week. Now, the way revivals go these days, people don't I mean there's basketball and tennis and soccer and all of these activities and track and football and cheerleading, all this stuff. He said, I don't care. I want you to come every single night and we're going to have a revival. I don't care what else is going on. And I didn't, I've never done this before because I've just been a Sunday morning, Sunday night guy. And I'm thinking, well, Ron, what do you mean? Well, well I mean, there's some people back in the day, they would preach for six weeks. Well, people don't do that anymore. So I fasted and I prayed for 24 hours. And when my, uh, my, the wheels touched the ground in London, Kentucky, the Lord said, you will speak a word. Eight days later, I didn't get done with the last sermon. I went from not knowing what I was going to say to literally, I, I couldn't get it all in. I'm thinking, if I just had one more day. How many of you feel if you just had one more day? This word I'm speaking today was birth out of fasting and prayer. It's a generational word. When I say a generational word, you'll find yourself fitted in that and you'll know directly how proportionally it's connected because everybody has a role. 
Say, everybody has a role. Would you take a hold of your Bible if you have one? If you're, if you're using your phone, take a hold of that. That's fine. Your device, your electronic device. Can you just pray as you hold on to that? Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray over this word today. May it seep down from our head to our heart to our hands to the next generation. And Father, we give you the glory today. We thank you for the uncompromising word of God that corrects, that comforts, that brings clarity, brings peace, that is the balm of Gilead. It is the answer to the problems of our everyday life. And we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is a significant day for me because I was speaking of that time two weeks ago when Pastor D got around me and they launched me out into the deep and said, now I'm got a message for you. I already got you ready for that because you, if you got eight different days, I got eight different days. If you want to do that, I got some more in that same passage, just in case. And, and that is the reality of where God has me. My question is, where does God have you? I mean, it's great for me to be able to come today and I'm here today, man, and I blow in, blow up, and blow out. But as I've been consistently hearing from this pulpit every single week, it has been a clear call to the heart of mankind. You see, most churches are full to the brim because it's easy to believe and it's non-confrontational. But a church that's come from ashes knows that all that fluff, it doesn't work. It's not sustainable. And so the rods and the steel and the rebar in this current building built on something that's built by faith. If you stand with me for the reading of the word of God, coming out of 2 Timothy chapter 1, faith for generations, if you're taking notes, if you would read aloud with me, please. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Everybody say sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now in you. I am sure, everybody say I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, or share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Everybody say, to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Jesus Christ before ages began. And which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death through his life and immortality to the light through the gospel, for which I am appointed as a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. Which is why I suffer as I do. But Everybody say, but. That means there's something else coming. I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believed, and I am convinced. Everybody say, I'm convinced that he is able to guard unto you that day which I have been entrusted unto you. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. So as we begin to speak the word today. And tucked in 2 Timothy is a very interesting dialogue that he begins to speak from his place. Everybody say his place. You have a platform. Some of you don't even realize it. The voice in Spanish would be la voz. It is a consistent part of a connection and a place that God has given you. Paul speaks from, he said, I'm an apostle and a preacher. You see, some of you may be preaching, but you may be preaching in a different way. You don't have to preach up here to be a preacher. 
If you're a teacher, you could be a preacher. If you're a doctor, you could be preaching. My daughter went to get her tonsils taken out. And you know as a parent, before your child goes to sleep to get their tonsils taken out, the doctor walks in and he says, before we do this, could we pray? My wife and I looked at each other and almost passed out. And he said, no, I'll pray. And he prayed over his hands. He prayed over the wisdom of God for him. And he prayed for the outcome. Are you with me? What's so amazing is that Paul speaking to Timothy, he understood the platform of what he was. He also understood what Timothy had to do. It's amazing because God, in, in the riches of his glory, he has, has prepared his people in advance. Uh, he began to speak over him. And for some of you that don't, may not know this in my research, his word was valuable to Timothy or Timotheos, which meant honored of God, worshiping God, or valued of God. That's his name. There are some key pieces in this as kind of a backdrop or a background that I think uh, that brings some richness and undertow to the word this morning. Paul contributes this full portrait of his spiritual son as he speaks to him. He speaks into, into a situation, one of his godly heritage. You see, he has a father, yes, but his father was a Greek and was not saved. And so he says of his grandmother and fitted in there was Paul himself. There had to be a man speaking on the behalf of a family. And Paul at that point is the spiritual father because he says, this is my spiritual son. Truly understood headship. We would then truly understand the role of what a father plays in the house. In this situation, this was critical because he had no spiritual father and his father had died. And so there had to be someone that stood in the gap. Okay, well, what's this? We're saying, well, Ron, I got a dysfunctional family. Oh, well, let me fit it in here for you. We'll have to go back to Abraham and Jacob. Okay. That, that's your father's side. So, so then we'll go, we'll go to Eve, to Esther, and to Mary. So if, if, if you didn't have parents and, and you feel abandoned, there's enough lineage, there's enough history, there's enough in there to grab yourself on, hook up to that, and find some personal stability. And Timothy needed the voice. He needed encouragement. You see, at some point at times we get reminded, we come to church to be reminded. He said, I want to, to relate to you. I want you to remember. So in chapter two, the theme of that is to remember. Everybody say remember. You may have to be reminded for several reasons. Number one, you could be astray. Number two, you may lack courage. Number three, you may be just downcast. Number four, you may not be literally walking in your gift and you need to get back on track. And so he said, regardless of that, I need to remind you today of your heritage. I need to remind you to where you came from. I need to remind you of what God's called you to do. I need to remind you who your father is. I need to remind you of the discussion that we're having today. And this is a significant discussion that we're having today. He's reminding him because if you peruse through chapter three, there is a significant happening that's going to happen in his life as he goes through this phase of instruction. So he says, remember the past things because it's going to equip you for the future things. And so if you, if you, if you stuck your finger right there, flipped over to chapter three, man, there's some stuff that's getting ready to go down that I'm going to teach you about later, but I got to get you ready for what you need to remember 
face the opposition, you'll understand your personal position. You see, sometimes when we face difficult things, we forget what we already have. When we go through times in which the money seems low, it's almost like God lost his mind. That he needs to be reminded, well, you know, my bill needs to be paid, Lord. And here we have the God of the universe saying, you're not desperate enough yet. You had not learned from the last time yet. Let me remind you that I'm that God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Let me remind you about your friendships. Let me remind you about where you're called to be. You see, it's not about comfort, but it's about calling. And so Paul begins to speak in that second piece. Um, that, that, that second point is um, he, he, he begins to talk to him about the adolescence of his faith. Because typically, you would not remind someone that's not youthful all of those things. And he said, now, now, look, since you're a neophyte, since you don't understand, I need to almost remind you and I need to equip you in the reminding. And I need to bring back to you a picture. Everybody say picture. Paul speaks in a picture. He speaks in an instant. He brings back a memory. How many great memories you have in your life where God visited you, he ordained a moment for you, he gave you a word, he gave you a path, he gave you a calling, he gave it to you. And you slip back to that grandmother and she'll start reminding you. Mm-hmm. You have that person, that sage in your life. Everybody needs a sage. And what a sage is, is a person of great wisdom. Paul was that sage for Timothy. He next ordained him. He said, you're ordained not by man, but by God himself. There was a moment in time which we know that your calling was clear. Some of the calling you have are extremely clear. You ordained a moment. He charged him next to be an ambassador. He said, you are, regardless of what you want, everything you do is going to be an amb- have an ambassadorship on it. You see, some of us are running from things, and we're running from one thing to the next like Noah. And God said, no, I'm going to go ahead and put you right back, because wherever you're going, your calling's irrevocable. I don't care where you go. It's going to show up. Everybody say show up. So he said, Timothy, because you're young, don't think you're too cool to be reminded of the calling or the moment that when God touched you at the altar. He said there was a moment when there was a laying on of hands, there was an impartation that happened for you and at some point you may have lost your way because you're older now and it's not cool. But if we look at chapter 3, he's getting ready to get punched in the mouth with culture. You know, Scripture says, don't be wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Well, okay, well, let me go a little bit further. Don't be intoxicated by the culture, but be filled with more of God than you are of what's cool. Than watching you whip or watching you nay-nay. <laughs> Just kind of keeping it real up in here. I knew you would relate. Mm. And then last, he said, Ron, the reality is this. You need to know that this is about co-suffering. He said, I'm in chains. I'm in chains, Ron. I'm in chains. For those that are suffering, we sometimes forget that in the American church, it's not even close to anything like the church that other people would have to be faith-filled just to show up. There's some things that I'm going to drop on you today and then I'm going to leave. We're going to have a time of, of contemplation. There, there are five key things and I'm going to peruse through them as quick as I possibly can. But I think to, to drop some anchors, it's extremely important 
Number one, Paul says he speaks of clarity. Clarity, he said, before we come forward, I want to let you know, verse one, out of the Amplified says, I thank God for whom I serve and worship and serve with a clear conscience as my forefathers did. He said, I'm, I'm, what I'm about to say to you is extremely important and there is nothing that's clouding my mind right now. When I'm speaking this word to you, this word of worship to you, it is a clear, concise word. It is clear. It's not cluttered with anything else. What if you came to church and your mind was clear? Mm. Many of us, if we were, we would get words from God just like this. You see, the next generation needs to hear a clear word that's absolutely unadulterated, that is single-focused, not on a bunch of things, but on their calling. You see, the Bible says, room for you. That's clear. That means when you take that step and you're walking and you're calling the Bible says in Psalms 23, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Whether you're 15, 12, 8, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You see, some of us are poor because we're walking out of our calling. Mm. The day when I declare that day that we were going to put that on the marker, I was with Pastor D. We were talking, went to lunch. That afternoon, we sat down. And he said, I said, today's the day. He goes, wow, okay, well, let's do it then. What's, the, what's going to happen? And I began to share with him about what's happening in my life, and he started nodding like this. And when you know some stuff, when people start nodding, you're like, yep, I've been waiting for that. But the clear message is this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is clear. When you speak, speak with clarity. And as you worship, worship with clarity. And as you share, have a conscience. Just the other day, my adopted mother was laying in, getting ready to go into surgery. And the pastor walked in, who's the outreach pastor from her church. And, and he said, well, can we pray before we go into surgery? And he began to pray over her. And before he ended his prayer, he said, I got a question for you. Do you have any unconfessed sin in your life? That was clear. And it was nobody said anything in the room because he was praying for her. He said, I'm going to give you a moment to get that right, right now. And we're all in the room going, wow, that's good stuff, man. <laughs> Don't go to sleep on anesthetics without getting it right with God. Because you may not wake up. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Paul said, man, I've got a clear conscience. I understand where I am right now. If you only understood where you stand in history, if you only understood what the voice that you have right now, if you only understood the authority and the power that's on your tongue, it would be interesting. Just an observation. Number two, the culture. As I remember your sincere and unqualified faith, he's saying there's a culture in the family within your household, there was something that was powerful. Something went down with your grandmother and with your mother I identified with, and there was a culture there that was spiritual. One of the greatest legacies that you could ever have or leave behind or give is the culture in which the things of God are cultivated first. As I stood with over 350 people over three days sharing leadership lessons. I looked at the next generation of over 240 11th graders. And I said to them, how many of you have chosen your profession? How many of you have chosen that because of money? And then afterwards, one by one, they would come with my mom or dad told me that I had to have a job and had to make a lot of money. 
but I'm fighting. I'm fighting because that's not what I love. I'm living out their dream. I'm not living out mine. And I had this one young lady who was in college said, I'm, I changed my major two weeks ago, but I didn't tell my parents. I'm tired. I got a question for you. What kind of culture is in and around you? That if Jesus stepped in the middle of that, would he be happy or unhealthy? Hmm. We had to do a culture check at our house. And they said, Dad, you're so tough. You're always tough on us, Dad. We never have any fun. Where are you? You're always gone. You're traveling. We need to go on vacation. And I began to go back and say, okay, so I'm at, I'm, I'm at home, but I'm not there. I'm present. Personally, I'm a dad, but I'm not present. Are you? I, I, I had to do a culture check. So what I did is I took my son. He's nine. Pretty good, hefty little dude. He's not taller than me, but I put him on the bed, and I said, I need to talk to you for a second. I said, you know I love you. He said, yes, sir. He got a little lisp. Yes, sir. I said, you know you're my son. He said, yes, sir. I said, you know that God has a calling on your life. He said, yes, sir. I don't know if he was saying that, but it was just sounded good. He didn't want to say no, sir. But I looked into his eyes and there was an embrace as I looked into him. I felt as though I was looking into his soul. I said, you are my son. And today, from this day forward, I want you to know that your father is speaking life into you. You are going to be successful. You are a man of God. You are going to do great things. You are extremely talented. My father never did that. The culture in my house was tumultuous. It was hate, disparage, beating, screaming. And I made a decision that I didn't want to see my, be the father that beat, like my father was, that beat my mother senseless for no reason. So I wanted to set the record straight with my son and with my daughter. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And when we go on vacation, which we are beginning to do, I walked into this speaking engagement, not knowing, not having the funds to go on vacation. And a guy walked up to me. This is a secular event. He said to me, the Lord told me to give this for your vacation. I said, beginning, we still need some more. <laughs> but but what, what, what was that saying? It's like, wherever your gifts will make room for you, and then wherever you go, I'm going to provide all of your needs according to your royal riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The Lord dispatched someone in advance, got them up in the morning, spoke to them and said, meet Ron here. He wants to go on vacation. He said he wants to have a culture in which, but he's struggling financially to try to get on his feet and Set his son on his bed and said, we're going to go on vacation, son. Now he's got to back it up. So help me help him back it up. Mm. Everybody say God. Number three. Conviction. I want to remind you to fan into the flame the gracious gift of God, the inner fire, the special endowment. Through the laying on of my hands, there was a moment in time Paul was saying, I'm not going to back down. There was a moment in time that you know that I laid hands on you. You need to be reminded. Church, if there's anything that we need today, we need a deep conviction about what's right and what's wrong and what we're supposed to do or not supposed to do, who you are and who you're not. There is no reality that there is any gender miscommunication. Mm. There's no debate over your calling. There's no debate over your destiny. You are God ordained. 
You have tremendous potential. And Paul said, I need to say this to you right now in the front of this scripture in which everybody else will read. There is a overwhelming connection between you and your conviction. I remember growing up, we was pew jumping folks. I'll run it. Son, come on. Start playing. The buns will fly off and, and oh, Lord. You know, it, it just went, it went absolutely, the wheels came off the bus. I miss those times. I miss those times. My mother, had, my preach my. scared I was holding on to my mother's leg and I don't even know what I said I think I may have quoted John 3 16 or something but that day at the campground in Ashland Virginia I got filled with the Holy Ghost what, what, what Paul is saying here there, there's significant time there's a deep connection there's something that happened that you strayed away from you see this moment right here was not just a moment for people to come around and lay their This was a moment, it says, inner fire. Inner fire is deutimus. Deutimus is power. Power is the Holy Spirit. It is the baptism of the Holy Ghost right there. With our young people, oftentimes we back up because culture, one person will dictate how we believe in a group. But we need some fire up in here. That's the only way you're going to overcome. You may have a spiritual breakout. You come out swinging. I'm at George Junior High. We're doing the FCA meeting. And a young lady who I tried to connect with, I had my office at George Junior High. Incredible story. I'll write a book about it someday. The teachers would bring me Bibles. They would send, they wouldn't send them to the dean. They would send them to me with a note saying, give them a Bible. <laughs> and then that morning sent the Bible and then came by. It still happens. I had a teacher that would bring me Bibles every single week. I'm talking 2016. One lady at our FCA meeting, we had a very good crowd. And she came through the door at the end. And when she walked through the door, I could sense there was something. And she spoke. And I began to pray. And when I began to pray, she stood up and she started walking toward me. I'm thinking, you know, she's in ninth grade. I'm thinking, and I could see tears coming down her eyes. And she said, the Lord spoke to me. And I'm supposed to pray. And when she opened her mouth, the gym was filled with the Holy Ghost. And as she stood there, she said, God's called me to be a missionary. And I hadn't been obedient. But he told me to come this morning. And I want to lay hands on every single person. You know, as a pastor, you just kind of take a step back and just kind of lean in and go, hmm. And I said, I want to see some fireworks this morning. They may kick me out, but here we go. And the Holy Spirit was so powerful in that room. And she went and she laid hands over in every single person. And the Holy Ghost just was all up in that room. But when she had a conviction about what she was supposed to do, she remembered the moment that God spoke to her stood up in that conviction she said I'm supposed to do the very thing that was done for me I need to go put some hands on some folks because there's some people that need to be filled and she was convinced more than that she was under conviction of the Holy Spirit when's the last time we've walked under the conviction of the Holy Spirit when the altar call comes nobody has to really plead 
Before it even comes, back in the day, man, you would be in the middle of a message. People just come to the altar. They don't need to rest. They just, just come right now. They ain't living. Say, well, you know what? I ain't living right now. Just go ahead and get it right now. Go to the altar. Let me pray. Get it right right now. You see, we don't need to have an altar call to have an altar call. Are you with me? Next one is calling. Do not be too afraid to testify. He's called us to a holy calling. Over the past eight months in Fayetteville and Springdale, the very one thing that's been under contest is holiness. Holiness is not religion. When we came, they was preaching against everything. If you wore brown shoes, you're going to hell. If you had earrings on, you're going to hell. If you wore shorts, you were going to hell. Man, I just gave up. I'm like, man, I can't do anything. I mean, if you breathe, you're going to hell. But, but Paul's saying here, he said, don't be ashamed to testify. And then he says, I am an apostle. I'm a preacher. And I am called to do this. Timothy, you're supposed to take my place. Why is that? Some say in scripture, as you begin to ferret this out, that it was a time in which Paul was left for dead, that it was his family that brought him in. And it was during that time that they laid hands on him. And it was during that time the Holy Ghost. Paul knew him as a son because it was Timothy that wrapped his head and prayed over him. How much time to earn the favor? He said, remember, it's a holy calling. Don't ever mistake religion for holiness. You see, the fight is not over a man or a woman and their role, the responsibilities that they have. The fight is over holiness. You see, because if I can get to what's righteous and twist that, then I can contort any other relationship. Are you with me? And Paul reminding him the calling that you have on your life to replace me. I know that, he said. I was there. I heard about it. I was all around it. We know what happened. You know what happened. There was a moment that happened. It was clear. But it's a holy calling. You're supposed to be a holy dentist. You're supposed to be a holy blank, 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 whatever's in your life, whatever you do. What does holiness mean? That means that I have a right relationship with Christ and I want to walk in that. I want to, I want to, I want to continue the process of moving in that. Lastly, I want to say to you this. What is the calling that God has for you? What, what is your personal calling? What, what is God calling to you? In, in scripture says of an evangelist. That's not a apostolic role. That is an opportunity. So that means that we all can evangelize through what we write, Facebook, Twitter, tweet, all of that. As some of you are in college, man, you're in this whole incubator. If you're in school, if you're changing jobs, if you're trying to raise children, if you're trying to do, you're trying to do the best that you can so that the calling of God that is irrevocable would come clean and would have a clarion call. The most powerful thing you can do in your life is to yield to the call of God That's the most powerful thing. There are some people in this room that have not yielded to the call of God on your life. Some of you are at a crossroads. I can tell you from two weeks ago to now, my calendar wasn't full. I didn't know what I was going to do. I know God's called me to be a man. I saw KD. I said, KD, man, this is, I'm getting ready to happen. You've been, you've been hitting me in the nose for a couple years, man. I'm getting ready to do it. I don't know where I'm going. 
But I know what I'm supposed to say. At least I'm ready from that standpoint. He said, well, good. Get out there and do it. If we ask you today, for some of you, you've abandoned your outright abandoned. Why? Because it's not profitable. I can't make doing that. To do that. I'm too old. I can't do that. It's, I'm out of season. What made me happen is he didn't say do the call. He, I said, and during that time, God will get you ready. He waited until Abraham was. You say some of you are being stirred. Stirred doesn't necessarily mean walking and calling. It just means yielding to it. And as you yield to it, you see back in the day, we call it yielding. That means come under. That means surrender. When you, and you yield to the call, God's going to get you ready. He's going to get you ready. All you need to do is step into it and just yield to it. And he said, I will open the windows of heaven. Not just financial. I will open the opportunities abundantly. All I need for you to do is to say yes. Now, my, camp, my calendar is still not full, but it's starting to come in. Bits and pieces. and pieces. I hadn't talked to him in five years, Ron. Hey, I was thinking about you the other day. Really? And I didn't even talk to him yet. But really, it's not about me, but it is about me. It's not about you, but it is about you. At this moment, I want to ask you a question, if you would for me, but for the kingdom. There are some people right now that outside of you moving, they will not come to Christ. They won't. That you yielding to the call of God on your life is so significant, it's eternal. There are some people today that, that will need, as Neil plays, we're going to turn this into a house of prayer. Pastor does it all the time as I listen to the podcast. It's not emotional plea that I'm going to push anybody I'm not going to slap anybody, punch anybody. But sometimes we just need to crawl up to that altar a little bit, nudge up to it, and have God remind us. Not tell God what you need, but have him remind you. Remember when you were eight years old and you went to camp and you were called to do something that you couldn't do yourself. Do you remember that when you went to camp and, and God spoke to you clearly and, and, and you've abandoned your call, absolutely abandoned it. But today I'm asking you to do something for kingdom's sake, not for my sake. This is for the church. My relaunch was about the kingdom of God being manifested. And for those of us that are, have the clarion call of the gospel that can come from our lips to the ears. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Could we come today to maybe reaffirm that God's called us? You may have been in this church for years. You may be a model to some that would be perplexed that would see you up here praying today. But you may be praying by faith you may be the model that other people need to see and follow after. You, I heard Tony Edwards need to go home and said, honey, I, I've been out of authority. He said, even if, you're, even if you're not, do it anyway, because that'll start conversation. Wouldn't it be great that if you came to the, to start a conversation, about prayer. Wouldn't it be great for you to be able to say, you know what, I don't know, but I'm going to walk by faith that people in our school are going to get saved. Me as a teacher, by faith right here at Evangel University. Teacher stood up in my class. She said, I want to pray today before we get started. She said, Lord, I pray for these students today. The Holy Ghost filled that room 
and a revival broke out on campus. And for two days, all people could do was repent. Several were saved. All she did was walk in her calling. at the altar today would you that after I pray that you would join me here and we would be littered here littered up the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that I wouldn't have to beg you you know you've got stuff everybody say I got stuff we're a family man I'm so good I'm so good with them trying to play pretty. So good. I'm good with that. Brother was jumping around there with his guitar, man. That was so refreshing. I wanted to join him. He said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. There's some of us that have lost our joy. My God. And this morning, the call is to your heart from God to you. Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you for every single person on the sound of my voice. God, that you would speak to their spirit. You would speak to their inner man, their inner woman, that you would call them by their spiritual name, by their function. And I ask you, Father, that you would speak to their soul, that they would get up from where they are, from their heart. That if even they needed to pray for someone that was lost, even if it was about someone else, they would take a step of faith. We give you the and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Will you just slip up out of your seat and just come if you want to? To come forward today, you said, "You know what? Today's my day. Today's my day. Today is my day. I'm not gonna wait. Today is my day. Today is my day." I need to take a step. I need to move. I need to move. Will you move for future generations? It may not be for you, but it may be for your grandchild that's not even born yet. Will you move by faith? Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. You may want to turn and, and make your, your altar right there where you are right now. That's cool, too. Just spin around and just make an altar right there if you can. You may just decide, I just want to pray. I just want to sit. That's cool, too. But for the next several minutes, if you could just bask in the presence of God. There's some of you that have some major toe going on that are just tugging on you. Allow the Holy Spirit to loose you of that. In Jesus' name. 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 In the name of Jesus. Unload the baggage today. Unload the baggage today. Unload the baggage today. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.